Hey everyone, and welcome back to Comics Deserve Better. We're going to be talking about a couple of SourcePoint Press one-shots, and we're also, this is just going to be kind of a, a regular episode. Last week was fun with the interview, but we're kind of back to our usual uh, news, quick hits, main course. We're going to cover a couple, uh, cover a couple of SourcePoint books, and I'm looking forward. So, yep, yeah, and with me today are my co-host, Brian. Hello. Hey, everyone. And Darcy, back for full-time duty. Hello. All right. So we're going to kick things off with some news. So um, shout out to Brian for compiling all the news this week. He compiled every piece of news this week. So thank you. So what's our, first, uh, what's our first big news story this week <laughs> from Indie Comics? Um, okay. Let's start from the beginning here on my list. Um, heavy Metal. Everyone knows Heavy Metal Magazine. They're launching their own um, a new imprint called uh, Magma Comics. Uh, and uh, they have announced their first wave of titles. Um, they uh, look like uh, they kind of range in different genres as well as uh, different styles. Um, one One's called uh, Amber Blake, uh, The Modern Frankenstein, and the last one is uh, Chasing the Dragon. And um, the Amber Blake one I'm definitely familiar with, They that came out last year um, under a different publisher, uh, it's it's actually it's a translation of a um, of a comic um, that was originally published in Spanish, and it's basically the story of a um, of kind of like a world traveling uh, spy that you know initially starts at a spy school as you know when when they're in high school essentially learning how to be a spy, and then it and then it goes into the life of of, uh, of espionage. So that's pretty good, and. And Logan, I think uh, you have some information on the, the Modern Frankenstein? or Yeah, yeah, Modern Frankenstein looks really cool. Um, it's Paul Cornell is writing it. Um, you may know him from his work on Doctor Who, and he's done a bunch of comics in the past. He did Demon Knights, Saucer State. Um, uh, I think he had a run on Wolverine for a while, and he's, he's, one of the, he's one of the writers that got me into comics, so I'm excited to see him back with the medium. And then Emma Viacelli is really just beautiful art. And I think this is looking, it looks like it's a, a gender-bent, um, queer, maybe queer, potentially queer take on the Frankenstein story. So it looks pretty cool. Um, pretty cool. I'm just, I'm just honestly just happy to see Paul Cornell back in comics. So I think he has another book from uh, a Ball that's coming out pretty soon, actually. So glad to see, glad to see him back. He's, he's awesome. Um, for yeah, sure. this was the one when I was looking at it. I thought this one looked really, really cool. I'm really interested in it. Yeah. It, it definitely does. It looks, it looks like a lot of fun, actually. Mm-hmm. Now, um, and then last one, the Chasing the Dragon. Um, it's uh, basically, um, it's, it's drawn by the person who uh, drew the Eisner Award winning, they called his enemy. Ooh. And, um, and the New York Times bestselling writer, uh, Denton J. Tipton, is described on this. So... And it looks like it's kind of your horror fantasy, um, a dark fantasy world ravaged by the rampant abuse of a drug made from the blood of dragons. That's okay, the, that sounds pretty fucking awesome. It sounds, sure. yeah. yeah, it kind sounds pretty kind of exciting. Excuse the pun, and no pun intended. I guess it's it sounds very heavy metal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah so. definitely. That looks cool. Um, so, you got any more news for us, Brian? 
Yep. Um, so uh, Boom Studios announces uh, Abbott's 1973. Uh, it's a sequel to Saladin Ahmed and Sammy Cavella's 2018 crime series, Abbott. Uh, looks like it's um, that was pretty critically acclaimed. I personally haven't read it. Have you guys read the original Abbott before? I did not, no. I read the yeah. first couple issues and, and loved it, but I think just life kind of got in the way. <laughs> yeah. But it's really good. It's like a um, I think it was like it was about like a black journalist uh, checking, um, tracking down. It was like kind of like a crime story, very different from what Boom usually publishes. So I was, I was kind of excited to see them um, publish yeah. a book like that. So I'm glad like I get the sequel. It looks like this book, yeah, it'll be um, about Detective Elena Abbott um, dealing as she deals with political corruption and supernatural threats. So yeah, it sounds about like the first one. So. Sounds like a lot of fun, definitely. So that. That and also Saladin Ahmed and, and Sammy Cavell are definitely on my on my top list of people to check out whenever they come out with stuff. So definitely definitely excited about that. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that Ahmed is still doing um, creator owned stuff. Uh, definitely, he's like I feel like he's writing so many books for Marvel, but I'm glad he you know kind of carves out a little bit of time to to write his own stuff. So I'm glad I'm happy about that. He definitely has filled the the hard shoes to fill on Miss Marvel, and he's in his Miss Marvel runs pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, haven't, I haven't really read it, but um, I've liked. I, I mean, he he made me care about the fucking absorbing man. So yeah, <laughs> give him kudos for that. Uh, any more news? Uh, we the uh, Skybound uh, imprint of Image that everyone knows basically because of The Walking Dead and maybe Invincible as well soon. Um, they are going to have their own Halloween. Uh, convention online on October 30th um, called uh, Skybound Expo Halloween. That's X, the letter Expo, because <laughs> it's extreme, maybe. <laughs> and um, lineup includes uh, a Walking Dead uh, reacts to react, react. So basically, it's. What does that even mean? I think what it, what it sounds like to me is that the, you know, like the, the, like, the late night show, like, actors read their bad tweets about themselves yeah yeah i know that that's what this sounds like to me is that they're they're going to be reading the twitter essentially about about the actors are going to be reading about the tweets from them and they're going to be re, um, reacting to them so you know, or but, like the picture in picture youtube react to react maybe yeah. <laughs> nice. that's what i was I, thinking of. yeah i never heard of that that's actually that sounds really cool though i watch them all the time i'm oh. super exact addicted to reaction to reaction to reaction <laughs> it's so stupid and such a waste of time but i do them constantly that sounds, yeah. that sounds absolutely amazing yeah. any any comics content uh, I'm um trying to be i'm sorry. Oh yeah, no, no, no worries. <laughs> um, well, they have queer horror, um, a history of uh, fabulous fright, and uh, horror horror personality filmmaker and podcaster Michael Verratti pulls back the curtain and reveals any queer why queer queer representation is at the very core of Hollywood horror. So once again, that's not comics, but and the last part um, is a looks like a cosplay. Um, or you know, like a masquerade, uh, Skybound Halloween 2020 costume extravaganza. So, if there is anything comic book related, they're not really going forward with that. But you know, from the the imprint that brought you Walking Dead, it's not too much of a surprise. Now, it did say that they were doing. I read it, and it said they were doing something. It's the latest about comics. It's just that's. They said they were doing something about comics. I read Skybound that. has some good books. Like, cause uh, the, I think Commanders in no, I don't know if Commanders in Crisis is Skybound. No, yeah, no. It, 
it must just not be one of those three things. They're doing something yeah. about comics okay, there. Okay, good. Okay. Yeah, no, they're no, no. they're definitely talking about comics. I, it was I'm like, the, at, yeah, they had yeah. a whole thing. It was like the latest about comics, video games, blah blah blah. Okay, that's cool. I'm yeah. looking at the schedule and it looks like there is a comics vault live um, in the middle of the day. So definitely at least that. <laughs> and the art of Ava's Demon looks like that could yeah. So, and they're doing something with I am Eight Bit for uh, for video game stuff. It looks like. So, okay. Oh. All right. Do we have any comics related news? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, uh, uh, sorry. I'm not something there. No worries. worries. Uh, Dark House, I'm oh, sorry. Dark Horse um, is uh, giving away uh, free digital horror comics um, on their own digital um, website, which is digital.darkhorse.com. And um, but th- they are also having a big sale. Um, a, a lot of the first issues are are. Are free, but then the subsequent issues are about a dollar, and a lot of their horror books are um, are half off. Cool. So all, all digital, but some some good stuff there. You know, like Harold County, Hellboy, of course, and they have She Could Fly on on the uh, on the sale. I don't know if that would be horror, but hey, take it. You know, if it's if it's available, it's a great book. So. All sales are good sales. Yeah, you know, exactly. maybe some some old, some little intern just slipped it in there, like wanted one more folks to get in the book. But definitely. <sighs> yeah, um, I was looking at that, and I I didn't I never realized how many freaking like Abe Sapien comics are out there. Oh, definitely, like, it's so many comics. <laughs> like what the heck? Wow. And I think I kind of saved the best for last. Um, TKO Studios. It, happened you know kind of a, a couple weeks ago but this is our first new segment uh, since it happened uh they're announcing their third wave of books which i am a big fan personally of all the books that have come out so far um they they've uh, i think we've already mentioned um that they had they had announced some of the names of the um of the creators uh they give you some more information here uh, Steve Niles is going to be writing along with um, one of the co-founders of TKO, Salvatore Simon, uh, who wrote Eve Extinction, uh, and they'll be doing the poll. Uh, art by uh, Simon Kudansky, uh, who had, had done The Punisher before. Oh, you mean and, Lonesome Days, Savage Nights? Yeah, yes. And, uh, oh, no, the, um, I'm sorry, that, that, yeah, that, sorry, apologies, that is Lonesome Days, Savage Nights. Uh, the poll is uh, Steve Orlando. Yeah, I'm excited and, for that one. That'll probably yeah, be my def- first TKO book I check out. <laughs> definitely, and he's been hitting home runs lately, so that's pretty cool. And then uh, with uh, Ricardo Lopez-Ortiz and Triana Farrell and, um, on the colors and letters with by uh, Thomas Maurer. So that sounds really good as well. And last um, is Red Fork. Um, so Red Fork is uh, it's going to be writer uh, Alex Packnadel, uh and artist uh, Neil Vendril. Um, and it looks like it's a, it's a kind of a dark horror tale um, that um, takes place in a mining town. So that's pretty pretty interesting and kind of a cool perspective um they are also releasing as their fourth book a book of prose and short stories nice. um it's gonna be all basically horror books uh or horror, horror stories so i think they're they're definitely embracing 
be the month that um or the the, the time of year that all this stuff is coming out which the, everything should be released on november 9th uh, available digital as well as available um in comic book stores uh who have uh, ordered them so yeah the poll looks really good i mean it's like a like a disaster movie and there's like science police in it and the the main bad guy is called like the undoer so it looks it looks pretty um yeah like with th- this book and then you know commanders in crisis steve steve has really been like channeling those the grant morrison influences that because um, I I think he's like he's I think he's like Grant Morrison's like heir, like for sure. Um, Definitely, yeah. Could be. And then and then I like I love Lopez Ortiz's art a lot in the Kingpin miniseries, which is real for Marvel, which is really underrated. Um, I think it came out during Civil War Two. That's why people weren't like into it. Yeah, <laughs> but it was really good. It was like a good like like wise guy like crime story like in the Marvel universe. I'm like, fuck yeah. So I'm, I'm excited to see him work on a bigger canvas. Cool. All right. Yeah. TKO. Nice. Um, all right. So we're going to start out. We're going to go to our um, quick hits. Uh, Darcy, what is your uh, quick hit this week? Um, as long as we're in October, the month of scary things, I'm going to do a horror book. Um, so I'm going to talk about Chizuo Oshimi's manga Chino Adachi or Blood on the Tracks. Uh, it is an unfinished, as of this point, uh, psychological horror manga. If you're used to reading a lot of um, Japanese horror manga, a lot of people like, uh, oh my gosh, I'm sorry, my cat the goat. ran over my foot. If you're <laughs> used to reading Jinji Ito, uh it's nothing like that at all uh it's not the monster horror if you're used to reading that it's not gore horror if you're used to reading that this is purely psychological horror it kind of comes with every trigger warning (laughs) if there's a trigger warning you're kind of anxious about maybe don't read it Uh, it's very much connected to kind of the concepts of child abuse So your main character is a young boy uh, who has something of kind of almost a two sheltered home life, almost a perfect home life, mom, dad, and he, oh gosh, he goes in with his cousin sometimes and they play together and then one day they go out on this exploration up a mountain with his mom and his dad and him, his cousin, his cousin's parents, and their grandparents, uh, paternal grandparents for him. And this terrible thing occurs. And it leads to, and this is within the first volume, and it leads to another like 80 chapters where we're at about this point of his mom is kind of this horrible, horrible person who maybe does she love him too much? Maybe I'm not entirely Uh, sure. Um, Or does she not love him at all? Or 
what exactly is going on there? Is it, is he too sheltered? Is he not sheltered at all enough? Mm -hmm. Is there any protection there? And it's incredibly slow and there are chapters when nothing at all happens. So it's always incredibly tense. The art has some kind of realism to it when compared to a lot of manga art, if you're used to reading shonen or shoujo exclusively. He does big smiles, but with far more detailed teeth than you're used to if you're used mm, to reading creepy. something like Naruto. So it has that creepy vibe to it because you've got these defined teeth. His mom is so terrifying. <laughs> She's so beautiful, but so terrifying. He really likes to work with um, adolescent sexuality. Uh, so he is a young boy. And if you have issues with that, that is a thing to consider. Uh, it's not... Um, uh, he, I don't know how to say this. It's, you know, it's consensual with another girl, but it's, you know, how when you're a teenager and things are weird for you as a teenager, things get weird. And so there's a horror element to that later in the series. Uh, and uh, it's just always so I mean isn't isn't that most so horrifying isn't that most like slasher movies it's always like teenage it sexuality definitely is teenage so it's, but it's yeah. worse like yeah. a slasher movie there's almost a funny element to the fact that oh the slut's gonna get it the virgin's not right there's it's a joke right. now pretty yeah. much yeah. this is legitimately horrifying interesting and the facial expressions that come with it and everything is just, you just get so, oh, it's, it's, you go online and hear people talk about it and it's like, oh, this is the manga that like breaks people. I don't think it's that bad, but it's still pretty freaking bad and it's not done yet. And it's like, it could get worse. Ooh, wow. It could very much get worse. It's really freaking scary <laughs> and it's scary because it's you know like child abuse is the thing that happens <laughs> it's scary because it's real kind of thing damn so, yeah. yeah no it's it's a really you hate to say it's a really good comic because it's terrible it's a really well done comic for the story it's telling it's telling an awful story but it's it's doing it very well and it's called Blood on the Tracks, or Chino Wadashi, and it's uh, by Shizo Oshimi. Cool. That sounds really, really awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow. Cool. Uh, Brian, what was your uh, quick hit for this week? So, like Darcy, I am trying to do um, horror throughout uh, this month on um, both um, my my quick hits and looking forwards and uh so i actually chose a book um that it was written by a friend of mine um named andrew shaw and uh, art is by will payton it's called cul-de-sac and it is a anthology horror book which is great because i i think one of the, the best ways to digest horror is through anthologies um, um and the um and it takes place in the 1950s kind of a post-world war ii era where it has kind of a twilight zone feel to it where um it's kind of like 
on the surface, the everything looks like you know, you know your normal like you know serene suburban life that you you always hear about the ideal the idealism of the 1950s essentially you know if you're white essentially but the um and then but it shows the the horrors that are underneath uh um this this facade essentially like every story kind of goes from from normality to a twist um there's a the it kicks off actually with a silence uh story of, about a man who discovers that the best way to fertilize his plants is with um human um remains and meat and he essentially accidentally or maybe purposely creates carnivore plants from it um and <laughs> and of course you know just like a good twilight zone uh you know there's there's comeuppance from that uh kind of you know expected comeuppance um there's a story about literally a, a family of bats that are disguised as humans that um that you know peel off their skin there's a you know some good body horror there mm -hmm. as well as um somebody who's paranoid about the um about the red menace of the of the ussr and um builds a a bomb shelter and uh takes his family down there to take a look at it and while they're looking at it the uh the handle breaks and they're stuck in there and he built it you know soundly so no one can hear him so it's you know stuff like that where it starts out you know very like you know like serene and just kind of gets, gets you know very skewed real fast and really demented um it's kind of cool too like like a really good um anthology comic or 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 even movie um everything ties in at the end it turns out that all these crazy stories are taking place on the same block and um Makes sense. and all the characters kind of uh me you know are are kind of revisited at the very end of the of the, of the book um last thing as well that i like to talk about is that the artwork it's um because it's like the 1950s uh there's definitely a, almost like a norman rockwell feel to it like to the coloring and to and to the shapes and and the style of of like you know the background and, and and the people that are drawn um and and which adds kind of to the the horror to it because you know seeing this this perfect symbol of you know of like of happiness and the well th this is in australia but essentially like the american dream and then everything just gets torn to shreds it makes it even it makes it even more poignant so it's 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 an Australian anthology, but it's set in the United States. Oh no, it's it's in Australia, but oh, it's set in Australia. I, lack lack of better words, the American dream. You know, like the 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 ideal of like you know two and a half mm -hmm. kids and house in the suburbs, that kind of stuff. That's interesting. I, I never I never thought about the <laughs> the Cold War's effect in Australia. So yep. There's a lot of bugs as well in this. Oh if, yeah, uh, <laughs> that, that makes sense. Okay, now yeah. that yeah, that this stuff makes more sense. Like the animals and shit, like makes more way more sense now because you're like yeah. it's set in Australia. I'm like okay, that yeah. no, scary animals there. <laughs> I think I had a quick um, conversation with Andrew a few weeks ago where he was like, oh yeah, like um, 
because I was talking about how my love of cryptids, you know, like Bigfoot and jackalopes and all that kind of stuff. And then um, he had mentioned that, oh, yeah, we don't have any cryptids um, or many cryptids in Australia. And I'm like, yeah, because they're all real. Exactly. In Australia. <laughs> in New Zealand, you get the, the big, co- the weta, the cockroach thing. Oh, yeah. It's the studio, the effects studio that made Lord of the Rings. And it's like mm-hmm. a real thing. It's like crazy. <laughs> it's a cool I don't place. Think about it. Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> bugs. Hey, it's okay. Um, my my quick head has nothing to do with. I don't think there are any bugs in it. Um, I mine is it's Die Number Fourteen by Kieran Gillen and Stephanie Hans. And I think I mentioned in an earlier episode I was kind of down on Die in the second volume, but then um, they did a historical flashback episode with H.G. Wells and talking about like war gaming and the connection between war gaming and World War One because it, like there's a huge like World War One metaphor thing going on in the entire series because that's kind of how the i mean the like tolkien fought in world war one so it's kind of like the fantasy genre well and then also like robert e howard too like the fantasy genre was kind of forged uh, according to one account like it was kind of forged in the fires of world war one so yeah so yeah and then die 14 was the latest issue and i really like die 14 because it did a good job of showing like like the characters because the characters are from like our world and they're in this other world they're actually like coming to grips of like missing the other world and kind of dealing with their kind of different identities because they because in our world they are like normal regular people and then and die they're like different like rpg classes so um so yeah we get a lot, a lot more of that and there's like one really crazy emotional moment like like reminds you of shit that that goes has gone down like i'm especially like in like wicked and phonogram so it was nice. Plus, huge epic fantasy battles drawn by Stephanie Hans. Huge dragons, huge, like, magic shit. And she's just on fire. Um, but she's And she's so also good. good. Yeah. And she's also, and the thing is, she's also good at, like, as I mentioned earlier, she's good at the little little interactions between characters. She's a good cartoonist as well. Yeah. And I'm just, like, I'm, like, way back on this, this, this comics bandwagon again. At first I thought I, I couldn't, like, I wasn't connecting to it because I haven't really played a lot of tabletop RPGs, but I think having the, the family element and having the connecting it to, you know, the real world of like wars and conflict and his, his, you know, I'm, I'm starting to connect with it more. Also, I think it's like, also, I think it's also the way like Gillen writes, like there are some arcs in Wictiv where it seemed like nothing is going on. Like there was that one issue where like the same character died over and over and over again. Um, mm-hmm. But then it ended up like paying off like a few issues down the road. So uh, yeah, so I think this this taught me to have faith in creators and also maybe, I don't know, like kind of like maybe what if they had just dropped this as a graphic novel or, and then also kind of raised up some like format stuff too. So yeah, I'm really excited. And I think there's one more issue left in, in in the arc so probably even even crazier yeah. um and yeah and, and also i don't i don't know when this book is going to wrap up either um it might i think brian was saying and before the show like maybe it'll be you know like a d20 20 issues <laughs> or it, every every um cover looks like a d20 and and the the number changes on in the position on the uh on the the cover so right. like yeah. like the way it would on a dice. So yeah, that's why I think it's gonna be sense. twenty. And then the world they're they're in is based on looking like a, a twenty sided dice. Mm-hmm. 
So. Yeah, and, e and each character also, like the other, they have a dice that kind of fits their personality. It's really cool. It's like, I, I, it's like one of the, it's like a really cool world, but, um, but I, w I wasn't connecting to the story that Gillen and Hans were telling as much in it, but now like I totally am. And I kind of want to go back and like read the whole thing once the arc's over. So yeah, I'm it's, it's cool. And it is, it's, it's, it's mostly fantasy, but it has a little bit of horror too. Oh, just yeah. a little bit. Um, like scary, like any, anything like family shit, like family shit. Um, and undead kind of horror stuff. So, uh, one of the characters finds their daughter undead, essentially, in this universe, and is trying to figure out why. That's pretty scary. Yeah, yeah, it's like, it's cool. I mean, a lot of there's there's other series that have done like fucked up, like mostly like prose, like stuff by like Sean and McGuire and uh, Lev Grossman's uh, uh, magicians have done like fucked up taste on Portal Fiction, but this one, yeah, it's 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 good. Um, Cause yeah, when I think of portal fiction, I think like Narnia and like childhood nostalgia and stuff. So I, I, I kind of like, I kind of like it when, you know, they, they kind of fuck that up a little bit. I like, I like my childhood. Some people were like, don't mess up my childhood. I'm like, yeah, please destroy my childhood. Like right now. I don't care. So yay. All right. So yeah, die. Die is awesome. Um, yeah. Maybe we'll do a full episode on it in the future. Who knows? Cool. All right. Mm -hmm. So we're going to move on to our main courses that which were chosen by Darcy this week. So would you like to introduce the books? Sure. Do you want me to do them both at once or do them separately? Well, let's, just, let's do one at a time. Okay. <laughs> uh, so the reason why I did two little source point press one shots was because kind of how I see horror books and horror stories in general is kind of, I like little sit around the campfire and tell tiny scary stories. I really like Emily Carroll horror comics and they're always these little bitty tiny comics but I figured you know like most people who read comics and are on the internet have all read Emily Carroll comics so I figured I'd pick something different and I really like source point press horror they tend to do something different so I decided to pick uh, these two one shots the first one we want to talk about is going to be Beyond the Demon the Sea by Ben Goldsmith, Davy Broyles, and Justin Birch. It is, again, one shot, fairly simple little maritime horror, uh, vintage maritime horror that has, I think its unusual element is that it is uh, done in a kind of tattoo art style, kind of sailor tattoo art style, not exactly Sailor Jerry, more traditional sailor tattoo art style, which I'd never really seen anyone do before. And since I am a fan of tattoos, I really, really enjoyed. Uh, it's not the best art I've ever seen in my life, but it's really cleverly done. And the story itself is fairly simple. A bunch of people get on a boat in England. They're going to America for work. The boat gets in a bad storm. Most everyone dies except for the man, his wife, and one sailor. They go a little bit sea mad, or the man does. He accidentally kills his wife. He kind of blames the sailor for what's going wrong. And things get a little bit worse from there. Do you want to save it for spoilers and talk a little bit more? Or do you want me to finish? No, it's okay. We can, we can, yeah. So yeah, this book is cool. Like, um, I'm, I'm glad you, great suggestion. Like the art was yeah. just so unique. Uh, I think the only time I had seen art like this in a comic was 
a literal how to get a tattoo guide by a creator <laughs> I'm not gonna name that show. Um, so this is cool. And it also reminded me a lot of like medieval um, like tapestries a little bit. Mm, yeah. Just like in this, mm-hmm. the, the, in the kind of the, the simplicity, simplicity and just kind of, I guess like foreshortening in the figures. Mm-hmm. So I like, I like that a lot. Um, it, it definitely kind of set me in a time and place that wasn't my own. And the writing was really eccentric too. Like it mm-hmm. felt like, um, like the pirates, like in Treasure Island or something like the sea shanties. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's cool. And also, I think I feel like you have to like read it a couple times to get really get the, uh, just the full um, just freakiness of it all. So mm-hmm. I liked it. Um, and yeah, and it's like kind of really like, yeah, but then some of the stuff is kind of like obvious, like kind of new school tattoo stuff, like yeah. the, the skulls and the clouds. I'm like, that's like stuff that shit you'll and see. And the flowers. Like, yeah. I'm like, I think I've seen that at a tattoo shop before. Kind of oh, yeah. So, yeah. It's yeah. definitely tattoo flash. Uh, and did did you have a physical copy of this or just digital no i had digital it's available on source point press's shop for like 99 cents digitally uh, it's also on graphite for free okay because cool. i'm really interested this is one i'd really i mean you sent us a pdf but i'm really be interested to see a physical copy of it because the the paper looks like like match parch, parchment yeah yeah it looks kind of like a map yeah. definitely does no, what what the artwork kind of reminded me a lot of, and it's it's gonna kind of sound silly, but um, have you guys ever played uh, the Legend of Zelda game, uh, The Wind Waker? Yes, great so game. the intro is kind of on that same style of paper, like the the kind of matte parchment, and it has the same kind of like nautical design. Um, and and as well as kind of a medieval tapestry to it, and so and I that that is to this day one of my favorite intros ever in a com- in a video game, so this immediately caught my eye. <laughs> it was pretty cool. That makes perfect sense. Not where I first went, but yeah, that makes yeah. perfect, absolute sense. Yeah, I always Zelda's always where I go first <laughs> if I can. Uh, no, 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 that makes perfect sense. And, and um and I love unreliable narrators. So as in like kind of with Fearscape and everything as well for earlier. You know, I just Oh def- no, he yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, he's definitely an unreliable narrator because yeah. now that we've talked about the art, he Tawny, the wife, says early on, right after the the storm happens, oh no seawater has gotten into our food what are we going to do and apparently what they do is actually drink too much of that (laughs) seawater the husband goes a little bit nut bunnies uh begins talking to his dead wife uh the sailor is not as terrible as he believes him to be and the husband cut off cut cuts off excuse me grammar cuts off the sailor's legs and hangs the sailor from the ceiling of the room and they kind of run into dry ground and that's how the port authorities find them with the husband dancing with the corpse of his wife and a very naked legless (laughs) sailor still alive hanging from the ceiling which is fun you get to you get to see a dick in this book which is always amusing yeah (laughs) 
Okay. Yeah, no, the ending is just like, yeah, they just go, they go all out with like the money, sh- like, not that kind of money, it's a different kind of money shot. It's, it's a kind of money shot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, but it's, it's great. Just like, just like you're, you're in this like fever dream, then you get back to like, oh, okay, I think, yeah, this is like some historical fiction thing. And then you're like, oh yeah, no, this is really just a fucked up horror comic. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not but, expect but, to see a penis in this book. Yeah. <laughs> me, me neither. I, I don't even, I, I think... I thought it was gonna. I thought it was gonna have something to do with sharks because there were sharks in the beginning. I thought it was there gonna were be sharks like sharks in the beginning. I thought it was gonna be like you know old school like Jaws, but in the old days. But no, uh-uh. it was much better. Yeah, because yeah, because you you and like I read stuff about people like going losing their minds with the seawater mm-hmm. and just like sea travel. Like when I just think back that people used to not like just cross the ocean and just wooden ships and like wow, wow. that's just scary as hell. I mean, like their clothes would rot, and all those rats on board. It just yeah. must have been terrible. I mean, I mean, it looks cool when, like, you know, Russell Crowe and all the the, the, the sexy boys and uh, and Master Commander are doing stuff. But like, in real life, it's just like, what the heck? Like, people did this shit. My my ancestors did this stuff. Like, they were stupid. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I mean, what? Well, mine was mine was getting paid by the British Army to kill Americans. True. So I mean like, I don't know when mine did it, but sure. Yeah, so I'm like, yeah. okay, dude. Yeah, get paid. Be a mercenary. <laughs> oh my but, goodness. Uh, yeah. But no, it's it's cool. And I'm I'm just the art style is just so distinct and uh, that's yeah, that's totally why I saw it first was was the art style. Tattoos. Yeah. So I'm all for it. I like this the sparse use of color as well. And that kind of goes with the whole tattoo feel to it. Mm-hmm. You know, because it almost is, uh, some of these pages almost like a faded tattoo. Yeah, you know? and they make a point to leave space for the color to bleed outside. They don't fill up the tattoo with full color. That's a thing with, you know, uh, new uh, traditional tattoos. Good traditional tattooing leaves space for the tattoo ink to bleed as it ages. And I was like, mm-hmm. way to go! It's it's really perfectly done for what it is. It's really well done i just i super enjoyed this book it's you know it's not day trip or anything it's what it is but it's really yeah. good for what it yeah. is yeah i mean it's fun. yeah i mean not, not everything has to be some deep masterpiece but it's like exactly it's like it's like it's like roger ebert would give movies like you know four out of four if they you know it's just set, set out to be like right. a freaky horror thing and it's a freaky horror thing with some mm-hmm. interesting art and appreciate the art for what it is yeah mm-hmm. not for what, what what you want it to be exactly yeah, no, it was cool, and it was just fucks with your mind, which is nice. Yeah, it kind of fucks with your brain a little bit. Someone should mm-hmm. totally get a sleeve of this comic and just just yeah, lots everyone. of lots of people have things pretty close to it because it is just a lot of the side is just flash. I've seen yeah. the Grim Reaper before a few times. Yeah, That's in someone this. should really get like a back piece of the last page of the comic. The last uh, page. Yeah. I would like to. Uh, to actually commission this person to, to design a tattoo for me or something like that. Yeah, too. no, Just... it wouldn't be. I liked the sharks. The sharks would mm-hmm. be good. Some of the sharks are kind of cute. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's why. That's why I thought they were going to be the stars because they were like so it cool at the beginning. They were red <laughs> herring. So. They were. They were kind of reverse checkoff sharks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. I definitely want to check out uh, Davy Broyles. Is um, Davy Broyles more Davy Broyles is art for sure. And yeah, then they got Ben Temple Smith, who's like great you know mm-hmm. the cover so it kind of has this like um, very ominous it's got a very ominous kind of cover yeah so it does kudos yeah 
he does he does good work. I'm trying to I'm trying to think what he's done, but but horror. Oh. I know just I just when I think of him, I automatically think horror stuff. Yeah, Thirty Days a Night, right? Or... Yeah. He did Fell. Yeah. As well, written by someone we don't want to talk about. Probably, I just thought of that right now. Yeah, but no, he's he's done a lot of good work. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and we had another um, one. What's so Darcy has introduced our other one shot. We're going to talk about okay the second one shot because again wanted to do two because they're both very very short. The second is Burning Tree by Nuna Garrido Leca, which I mentioned in a quick pick a couple of months ago. This is a kind of gothic horror with very, very classical, it's got like every classical gothic trope that's possible to have. Uh, it is a predominantly silent comic. It's got like two sentences at the very, very end. Yeah. But, um, which I kind of think are completely unnecessary, but do make mm -hmm. it readable for younger readers because it kind of explains it. Uh, but it's essentially a woman who is living in a gothic house which is what you do when you're in a gothic horror anything and she's dealing with guilt or haunting of something uh, and trying to escape and living with this and she's the house itself is very interesting because the wallpaper is all eyeballs and she occasionally attempts to escape and one day she is able to escape after like, you know, she deals with flashbacks because again, that's a very classic gothic horror trope is flashbacks of men with other women kind of thing. And one day she's able to escape when um, there's a lightning storm and a tree catches on fire and it catches the house on fire. Again, classic gothic horror trope, house catching on fire and burning down around. And title drop too. Mm -hmm. Yes, of course. <laughs> Visual title drop, which is nice. Yes. Very, I love that visual at the very end. Yeah. So in this, obviously, the art's very important. It's uh, black and white, completely very stark blacks, very stark whites, or I should say heavy blacks, stark whites, high contrast difference. And it's kind of very simple. Definitely needs to be read to be fully understood because there isn't a lot of language to it. It's all visual. Uh, but it is very simple on tropes and I quite enjoy it yeah and it's also um it's also a widescreen comic it's, yes. it's, it's a widescreen comic and it's yes. like and actually because because most of like widescreen comics started out basically I think like artists like Brian Hitch were insecure about doing comic and they want to make everything look like storyboards but this is like more primal and but mm -hmm. also but I mean there, I feel like there is a lot of silent film um, influences in this one, like twenties, mm thirties, -hmm. like German expressionism kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that's why I, I kind of did like that. There was the the one the one title card in there. So the it just reminded Finn me, or oh the the sentence no more, at the end. No more. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I like that. That just reminded me of like a, like a bit like a title card, like in a silent mm -hmm. film. And I'm a sucker for that. Like yeah, it's just, just like an it's an aesthetic I just like uh, a lot. Um, but yeah, I just, ooh, just the, the blacks just oozing in. Ooh, that mm. was just, man, you could just, it was so, it was just like, like liquid. You could just reach into the, into the panel and, oh man, just the beautiful work from Nuna. The ink is alive in yeah. this. And um, like the, in the usage of the widescreen where a lot of times 
everything is kind of done in three panels mm-hmm. and 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 it's always kind of like a progression um of time like there's one part where where it's, it starts at the outside of the um of the mansion and, it's, and then one panel is very far away from that the mansion and it gets closer and then closer until you see like a figure in the in in the window and as you're getting closer it starts the 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 way everything is shaded and their and ink is it's awesome because it's like it starts white on the first panel second panel is kind of gray and the third panel is almost black yeah and so it just gets you know as you get closer to the house it gets darker and then immediately after it's just it's the woman's um sitting on a chair and the shadows start creeping up like vines from under from from the floor and it's just like like I said, it's just very vibrant and very alive. For I like. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, oh no! Wait, I was just saying for the for for just using two colors or three colors. You know, I like how it allows you to play with distance because when she goes three panels, you're allowed close in, and then when it takes from three panels to one panel, that wide shot, you get that long, great distance with that very last scene. So you get this really great shot. So depending on how many panels she's using, you get these really great distant shots. And so that, that I, I mean, obviously you get it with any sort of cos- comic, the, the distance, but it feels so much more dramatic to me, that change between those three panels and that one panel. Yeah, it's really, it's really just like classic. It's classic, um, it's classic editing. I mean, it's, yeah. it's taking you back to um, the you know, before the, the Taki Universal Horrors, like the, yeah. you know, like, like the old, like the really old fan of the opera from like the 20s. Oh, it's so yes. good. Yes, yeah. Yes, it it's is. probably my favorite one. Yes, it is. It's a very and good movie. It's going to make me sound like a snob, but it's, it's my favorite one. Sorry. Well, when uh, it comes to fan of the opera movies, what yeah. contest does it have? Yeah, there's... 2011? <laughs> oh, yeah, we're probably going to take off a lot of, um, because well, there's like, they, they have a crazy fan base. Um, but well, yeah. yeah. But 2011's no when was that movie 2005 you know Joel Schumacher you know Joel Schumacher directed that yeah doesn't make it good (laughs) I just the one with the one with Gerard Butler yeah Gerard Butler he can't sing that's a problem right there too Gerard Butler (laughs) that was back when like Hollywood they would they would cast actors just for acting and then they'll be like oh we'll, we'll we'll do this singing thing later but then they got roasted and like, and but I mean, he still didn't learn from their life. For what they did, they did it. Yeah. You know, they sang. Yeah. Good for them. Yeah, exactly. But... It tastes a lot of guts, especially if you know you're going to be heard by a million people. You know, Rus- <laughs> like Russell Crowe should not have been Javier. Okay, so back to the. Oh comment. yeah, um, I, I just I had, I, did, I had to put that in there. Um, yeah, so it's it's very um, so I, I like this. It's very it's a very interactive read. So it's just mm-hmm. it just strips that you like it strips it down to the barest tropes. So you can kind of just project your own experience of these kinds of stories on it. And it just yes. makes for a really immersive, interactive experience. Yes. Just the which blankness is, of the main character. Which is why I didn't like those final two sentences. True. On the last kind of, page. It, it, it automatically directs the reader to what, you know. It explains it. Exactly. It kind of takes away the whole, give it your own, you know. Yeah, it's like one of the singers. I think, but I think some people hate silent comics, though. That, that's kind of what I was thinking. I was like, some people don't like to not 
have it explained. It also allows, a, like I said at the beginning, it allows the younger reader base to, to read it. it. You know, it, it explains it and that's yeah. cool. So for me personally, I was like, I, I mean, there are wordless <laughs> picture books. Yeah. And they're great. They're amazing. <laughs> Highlighted yeah. my children's lit class I took in grad school. I'm like, holy shit. This is, this is storytelling yeah. right here, folks. Mm-hmm. The only thing I ever buy for my friends with kids do it because that's they're great. good that's good yeah there's um and it just it's so good at like teaching them they win awards for a reason right yeah so i mean guilt and you know and depression and is a universal language and so is you know kind of visuals you know yeah you know like and 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 you know it, it the thing too is that I, I agree with the two sentences because there's parts on here that are extremely you know like like extremely hard to misinterpret you know like uh, at the end when when the fire is happening and then they show the window again and even though the lady um is was the only person in the house there's a silhouette of the woman in the house still as the house mm-hmm. burns i mean it's like you know getting rid of the guilt you know like yeah <laughs> moving on so yeah. yeah it's like it's pretty awesome Definitely, yeah. definitely liked it. I, I got a lot of, I mean, we're seeing, you know, Gothic and Mojave. I definitely got a lot of Edgar Allan Poe vibe to it. I could, I could hear his voice making poems <laughs> or rhymes through, throughout this, this, uh, this story I, in my head. I cannot remember. There was a woman in the 90s that used, that would just churn out Gothics, like people churn out romance novels like it was almost every year she'd write a gothic just really by the numbers gothic romances and i loved them so much and that's kind of what this reminded me of because it was all the you know it's the woman in the house by the window with the flashback and the woman and the burning tree and i was like i love it so much but, but it's Nunez, all the things but Nunez just but cuts it, off all the fat all those exactly weird subplots all the exactly you cut off all the unnecessary stuff all the nonsense and it's just the heart of what it everything that's necessary it's all the beautiful parts of what you need to have and all the beautiful parts of the art because the art's perfection in this and the color's perfection just having it black and white so like i i don't know i just i love this so much Maybe you really want to rewatch Crimson Peak. <laughs> oh. I uh, out of the two, even though I enjoyed, I enjoyed the other one. This was definitely my favorite. Yeah, well, I mean, this is just just I, I love gothic romances a lot, and I just love that I love that aesthetic, and I, I love I love this kind of storytelling, this kind of um, chiaroscuro lighting, uh, expression, this expressionism. So it was just like kind of cool to get get those tropes with this visual style in a comic. Like it was, it was a true gift. Um, and, and yeah, there's some cool, just like cool symbolism in it. Like I love the blindfolds because yep. it's like, it's, it's, you know, it's a typical just like justice. So, and also like, it's also a way like they're covering her eyes. So she doesn't see all the crazy shit around her. So it's like all kinds of like, there's all can add, you can kind of transport lots of like psychological meaning to that. Like she's just trying to distance herself from her surroundings and not deal with her current situation or you know maybe she wants justice and it's just yeah and it's one of the only things in the entire comic that is as as white as it is everything kind of has shade to it except that 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 blindfold is is pure white so 
you know, that definitely. The wallpaper with the eyeballs and Mm -hmm. when she's trying to escape and the shadow is not her shadow on the door. Oh yeah. That I really enjoyed. Okay. So like one thing I'm going to say one, (laughs) what, what was the deal with like the white shooting things? That was just like, the light coming from the windows that she was trying to hide. Yeah, that's just like like when she's in bed and it's just like that t- really small light. <sighs> like I, I understand what they're trying to do is just kind of like the, like the, the first crack of dawn, but just the way it was executed, just like the perspective, just kind of I don't know, took me out of this. I love not gonna I love this book a lot. It just just for a split second, it like kind of took me out of the mood. I think, I, yeah, I know what you're saying. Like the way, yeah. it, the way the first panel versus the second panel versus the third panel when she stands up. Right, to, like the close-up was to, cool. To, to close the curtains yeah. versus where she, it shifts perspective a little bit and it doesn't look like where she's laying versus where she's standing. That middle panel is a little bit sideways. I had to, I reread it today and I thought the same thing. I was like, it, it's, the line is crooked when you look at those two panels but it's like the camera moves and yeah. it's turning or something yeah i agree with you yeah There's it was a just shift and, there that doesn't work yeah it's just and it's like but, but then but then like you kind of like but then once you see like the the, the shapes like the really primal like yeah. kind of looks like a like some kind of demonic um primal figure and then at the end you know she's shooting at the light it's like your iconic like kind of energy blast thing yeah <laughs> Like it get, but then just the just those middle pages is just like I'm like what like it's like just really kind of like yeah no I, I had that same thought when I was reading that today yeah, I was the execution's like execution's a little off it it, it, it like passes through in a weird way yeah 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 it just I just I like broke immersion for like about a page but then but then yeah, yeah. but then then she like immediately just like does the cool silhouettes and I love yeah I love and like I think I don't know there's just some interview and in, I think Paul Lovitz. He was talking about like the mark of a good character design is like you can see it in silhouette so that was mm-hmm. just so cool um like just to see just nunia create a monster in silhouette and just uh, give it to him. not to give another video game analogy but have you guys ever played um eco or ico um no. it's oh definitely check it out it's a fun game and it's, it's, it's essentially it's a it's basically a silent movie slash comic but in video game form and and the monsters in it are shadow monsters and so that's what this also kind of reminded me of was 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 those kind of those those little shadow demons running around yeah they're they're good i mean kids are afraid of the dark and Mm -hmm. just crazy ass shapes like who the who the fuck like if you see crazy ass shape like who's who came in like what's going on with you so just just tapping into these primal fears totally yeah, definitely. So, did did folks have any last thoughts about you know either of these two comics, Brian? Um, definitely both. They're very different. Um, the uh, then uh, between you know they're very different um, from each other, and they're but at the same time you know they're 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 both you know are kind of spooky and scary in their own ways and. Um, and and both a lot of fun to read, especially during this season. Okay. Um. Again, I kind of picked them because they kind of have classic, you know, campfire horror things. Maritime person goes crazy on a boat, kills people, 
hilarious. Love it. With interesting art. I, I, I like the burning tree better as a comic, but there's something about that dude hanging from the ceiling with no legs that I just don't think I'll ever forget. That's such a freaking hilarious image. Yeah. I'm not going to, yeah, beyond the demon. Yeah. Yeah. I just love that comic so much. Right. Right. That's, that's yeah. Beyond the, beyond the demon, beyond the sea. That's just, that's one that you'll, that'll, that'll hit you. It'll hit you at weird times during the day. It really will. It'll be just you grinding at work and you're like, Oh yeah, that guy like, like totally killed his wife and like, Drank all that salt water, like did that? Yeah, uh, yeah. Burning tree, like burning tree, is so good. Like if you like burning tree, gorgeous. If you like gothic horror, if you just want like to vibe out with some gothic horror, like totally check it out. <laughs> yeah, it's it's good. Yeah, and it's nice to get like you know a little standalone story. It's fun. All right, so we're gonna wrap things up with our looking forward. Um, so yeah, so Brian, what are you looking forward to in this upcoming week in indie comics? Uh, the second volume of uh, the image comic Bitterroot is coming out uh, in graphic novel form and uh, called Rage of Redemption, um, you know, written by Chuck Brown and David F. Walker with uh, art by Sanford Green and Sophie Dogson. This is also including the... Um, the summer special that came out right before the second story arc started. Uh, it's the story of a multi-generational family that um, during the Harlem Renaissance fight monsters called Janu, which are kind of manifestations of bad feelings and thoughts. And um, it's, it's a pretty, it's a fun, very cool looking um, book. Uh, a lot of, you know, kind of um, crazy characters and, uh, you know, kind of that family drama, uh, you know, within within monster fighting at, at the same time. Um, uh, you know, there was one character who, like, in this, this is the 1920s, so, like, the, the women are supposed to be the ones creating the potions, and the men are the ones that are, are going out and fighting the the monsters like physically but there's a character named blink who is a, is a young woman who is like the best fighter of, all, of them all and nice. so she's got to kind of fight with the rest of the family you know metaphorically in order for her to to do what she does best which is fight you know so that's so cool it's pretty cool yeah sanford green's an amazing artist like one of the best we have in comics so. exactly. love his stuff all right um, Darcy, what, was your, what are you looking forward to? Uh, like Brian said earlier, I like a horror anthology. I like anthology in horror. Uh, so Death of the Horror Anthology by A Wave Blue World Press or whatever. I don't know if they call themselves a press, but it's A Wave Blue, no- wave, wave blue World. Uh, yeah. A Wave Blue World. I can never say that. Um, lots of people are on it, but I'm here for it because Pat Chan's in it who I mentioned during uh, our last anthology discussion. Uh, I like Pat Chan. Pat Chan does Destiny New York. Um, and so that's kind of why I'm here for it. Horror comics, Pat Chan. Uh, Emily Pearson's also on it. I've not read a lot of Emily Pearson's stuff, but I follow her on Twitter. So, yay. <laughs> yeah, she's done. I think, shoot, I was just reading a book with her. Oh, my. oh, she just did a book called um, 
doing did the art for a book for Oni called Vane, which is about um, vampires in the uh, like the forties, and they're like ro- they go from robbing banks to fighting Nazis. So uh-huh. well, and yeah, it, it is a lot a lot of good gore, a lot of like sexy like stuff too and just that sounds fun. yeah so she's really cool and she's done some books for black masks um there's a ton of people on this horror anthology so i it it looks awesome uh vita italia's on it Mm. oh Uh, Vita, yeah yeah uh god who else is on it i cannot remember it's it's a really long list there's a lot of people but i'm here for patch and because of destiny new york so cool yeah yeah brian brian lovell's done some freaky stuff um i think he's writing and drawing a book so yeah no it's it's like it's like some good some good indie creators you know and some like like look at any good anthology some you haven't heard of and you can yeah. it'll be your new your new favorite um yeah so my yeah I'm, it looks cool and yeah way blue like has it has anthologies on lock for sure All right. Oh, my, it looks uh, like it's edited by Danny Lore. And yeah, Danny, Danny Lore is yeah. super cool. Sorry to interrupt, but yeah, that's that's pretty cool too. Yeah, um, and then I'm looking forward to. I think it's out, but I haven't I haven't read it yet. But it's uh, Maids by Katie Skelly from Phonographics, and basically it, this is a true crime comic, and it's about the in France in the 30s. These like two young girls were abu- were were maids in a rich French household, and they were abused by their their, I guess, I was going to say their employer, and they end up taking, like, bloody revenge against them, and there's been a lot of, like, I think there's been actual movies about this one, at least in France, and, like, documentaries, but they're very melodramatic, but this, um, Katie Skelly has a very kind of iconic pop art style. Um, She did uh, Nurse Nurse, and probably the one I like best from her is My Pretty Vampire. Yeah, My Pretty Vampire is um, the one I like like best from her, and it kind of She's, she has this, like, it's, it has, she has all these influences, like, pop art, underground comics, manga, all kind of roll into one, like, really just pleasing, simple, but amazing style. So I'm, I'm really excited to see her kind of use her stripped down storytelling to tell this, like, really melodramatic true crime thing. So, yeah, it looks cool. I'm really excited. Sounds pretty that cool. Sounds interesting, yeah. No, it's yeah. Really- Cause she's not, I mean, she's a, she mostly does stuff for Fantagraphics. So she's not like someone you would think like, Ooh, true crime, drama, drama. She's like, (laughs) but it should be cool. Yeah. No, totally. looks pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. She's her art style is so distinct. Like that's what I love about it. Like you see your art, you like, you won't, you won't forget it and you'll just be able to spot it. Like, cause I think she did a story for a, the Twisted Romance um, anthology for Image, which is really good, a couple mm. years back. So, yeah, and I'm like, oh, Katie Skelly's doing the Image, nice. All right, <laughs> cool. All right, so that'll that'll wrap up this week's episode. Uh, Brian, where can folks find you on social media? Um, you can find me on Instagram at um, Brian uh, underscore CB. Uh, B-R-A-I-J-I-N underscore C-B and the uh, Twitters uh, is, I can't believe I just said the Twitters, but um, it is um, Brighton2814 Cool. And Darcy, where can folks find you on social media? I'm on Twitter at books underscore serial and I have a website at booksandserial.wordpress.com 
And this week I will be actually finishing the Fantastic Four um, radio serial post because I totally didn't last week because work got crazy. So hey, it's all good. That's what I'm doing this week. Also, Bill Murray. I, I think Bill Murray is a human torch. Bill wow. Murray's the human torch before he got famous. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's really I, cool. I don't think you mentioned that on the last episode, but I think after the air, yeah, no, I probably didn't. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 why I like not. So yeah, Bill Murray is a part of the Marvel universe, guys. Yeah, yep. very and early in for sure. And you can find me uh, on Twitter at Midnighter B A E, uh, Midnighter Bay, spelled B A E. I don't know why I always do that. And you can find me writing a graphic policy where I uh, I mostly review indie comics, but this week I'm dipping into the mainstream for a little bit. Um, but still, still covering some indie releases. Like apparently, Albatross just picked up ta- the Tank Girl comic, so I'm interested to see interested to see what they they bring to Tank Girl. Um, yeah. Exciting. Yes, they they have the license now. It's it's Eric Powell. I love Eric get, Powell. Yeah, his 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 company picked up the license to Tank Girl. So I'm, I don't know. The, the Goon and Tank Girl have, have you know kind of similar aesthetic. Okay. So I'm, I'm interested to see see what he does with it. So uh, I mean, it'll never be as good as Jamie Hewlett. Come on. Oh, speaking of Jamie Hewlett, New Gorillas album this week. Nice. <laughs> um, and then for the podcast, you can find us on Twitter at CDB Pod. And we also have a website that's been nicely updated by Brian, comicsdeservebetter.wordpress.com. And you can also email us with any questions, hate mail, constructive criticism, fan art, I don't care, at comicsdeservebetter at gmail.com. And yep. Yeah. Have a great spooktober. Read some horror comics. Don't read horror comics you don't want to. Just enjoy indie comics. Peace. Bye, everyone.